Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. I'm your host that's writing solo, Aaron Snyder. Frank uh, is again hanging with the Mormon Mafia. Why are you not home, Frank? He's still with Matt and uh, Jordan Cower in Idaho. Uh, we're kind of doing a um, multiple part series here about. Um, broadheads, front of center, um, things like that. And uh, I've had a few other people on this morning, and I kind of wanted to tie this up with um, Danny Klum. Uh, he's uh, one of the owners of Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. Uh, killed more shit than smallpox with a recurve and a compound. And uh, so thanks for coming on, Danny. Yeah, thanks for having me over. Yeah, no no problem at all. So just just in case um, you don't you don't know, uh, Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear is, a, is an archery shop. They sell compounds, traditional gear, knives, a bunch of stuff. Um, but uh, Danny, you started shooting a recurve for the majority of your life. You've had multiple shoulder surgeries, and now you've had to go to a compound, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up with the recurve in my hands. That's all I knew until about five, six years ago. Okay. And, you know, to give, you know, so people understand that, I mean, obviously Danny working over there tunes both compounds and recurves and everything else in between. And any of the little tricks or things I show you, I've probably copied from Danny or his dad, one or the other. Um, so you guys offer the cutthroat broadhead, um, which I've killed a pile of animals with. And since a lot of this, you know, what we're, I'm trying to cover here is, a, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk hype i don't know what you want to call it about with extreme front of center um a lot you know the three to one ratio broadheads meaning the really long ones the single bevel double bevel you know for compounds and traditional bows both and you guys offer that cutthroats a a single bevel broadhead with like a tanto point correct yep yep and then where why did you guys design it that way what was uh what was your thought process behind it so those broadheads came not out of us trying we weren't trying to build something that we ever thought was going to get big or we we're going to sell a bunch of we we're just trying to build a broadhead that fit a niche that nobody else was doing uh we, i was always shooting grizzly broadheads uh you know another single bevel two blade that's been out for a long time um we just wanted to kind of address some of the inherent weaknesses with those as far as durability and straightness just tolerances um and nobody else was doing it in an option that wasn't over a hundred dollars for a three pack of heads so that that's kind of where the whole thing came from. We had a hundred of them built and guys were just seeing them around the shop and like, oh man, I got to have some of those. Okay. So, you know, yeah, we'll sell some of them to you. Um, sold those almost immediately, had 300 made kind of same thing. And it just kind of just spun out from there, you know, so it, it was just something that we thought, we thought would be a fun project to do to have some for us and our buddies, and it kind of has spun into something that's gotten crazy now. We're having a hard time keeping up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It got to a point where I kind of slowed down talking about them because I knew. <laughs> yeah. And we're spending hours back there grinding the edges on those things and just having a hard time keeping them out the door. So it's been pretty neat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I uh, The first deer I shot at, I missed three times and uh so i can't say i blew through an animal and shaved with it but i remember pulling it out of the log on video and shaving with it not my proudest moment but the broadhead <laughs> was still sharp yep. um, and i ended up shooting um shooting them out of my compound last year um in 16 i shot uh you know a recurve and then 17 i shot a compound and so i got to shoot i got to kill a bunch of stuff both with you know with both weapons which was cool now the um you now you guys the 
the head, uh, you guys offer one twenty five on up, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one twenty five up to two fifty, and and have plans to come out with a three hundred this uh, this year. Gotcha. Now. The, the idea behind people have a little bit um, – well, some people have a little bit of trouble understanding. Even in the compound world now, it's really starting to get big on this high FOC. Um, you know, a lot of talk with the longer broadheads for, for tracking through the animal or penetration. Um, everybody's got their own kind of shtick, I guess, on it. Um, the single bevel is designed for for penetration, but bone splitting um, uh, type of a of an end outcome. Yeah. Um, I know I've seen it firsthand, uh, especially you know I, I you know was like pile driving that one elk and it it buried three quarters of the broadhead was in its vertebrae, so I it worked. It didn't split the vertebrae in half, but I didn't care because it three quarters of it went in there. Mm-hmm. Did you guys just find that that was one of the, I know what you just said, like you, you were just trying to fill a niche, but was that a head that most of you guys wanted to shoot anyway? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where it came from is it, it's what we wanted to shoot. We didn't want it in a, a brazed version with really thin blades. We wanted a thick machined head that spun perfectly true, that had super thick blades and was extremely durable. So... Yeah, they do. They spin very, very true. They're very high quality head. And and I I remember telling you that it's about impossible to get out of a compound bow with decent speed for a a fixed blade head to hit at 80 yards with field tips, not because of the broad head, but because of just straight up wind drag. I mean, Mm -hmm. and I ended up getting those to hit uh, at 80 out of my prime, which I was excited about because I, I generally... I'll shoot two broadheads in my in my compound quiver, and it's usually a mechanical and a fixed blade. But after about sixty, a lot of times the fixed blade I can't use it. I've got to use the mechanical. Where in in seventeen, I was able to use both um, and hit and hit good out to to eighty. Not that I'm condoning eighty yard shots, everyone. I don't want to hate <laughs> you. Um, but I one of the 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 coolest things I had happen was that that buck in Alberta. And Lander was even more mystified by it than anything. Is um, I shot that that buck purposefully straight through the scapula. It was bedded, and you know how sometimes they bed their elbows are way back, and that scapula is pretty much covering everything that's important. And uh, and I didn't have the best view of the buck, but I knew I thought I knew that was <laughs> the scapula, and so I thought, well, at the angle I think I'm at and everything. I'm just going to blow through both scapulas. And what ended up happening when I shot, which I wasn't sure of at the time, because when the buck blew out, its offside leg was spinning in circles. I blew that leg in half, and I thought, man, did I just shoot its leg off? And then it tipped over dead. Um, I never found the arrow, but what was crazy is it went through the scapula um, on the onside and through the leg bone on the offside on the beefy portion and and I couldn't find it. Um, have you guys, I mean, you hear all the stories. Have you heard some pretty crazy ones as far as just, you know, what those broadheads have done to animals? Yeah, it's it's been it's been nuts. And and the, you know, the benefits of a single bevel have been well documented. You can Google search it online and see what that rotational effect does to bones. The split um Yeah. A lot a lot <laughs> you know, and a lot of the tests have come from him. I mean, he's shot thousands and thousands of arrows into animals and you know, so I don't think you can really deny those effects or those benefits to a single bevel. 
Um, it's very real. Yes, I've personally seen it on animals that I've shot and, and we've had hundreds of pictures sent in from guys, hundreds of phone calls that we've received from people that have done some pretty cool stuff with them. Oh, no, I'm sure. And I mean, I get obviously since I, you know, promoted them um, quite a bit of feedback. And, and the one thing that is important for people to understand on my end is I am super good friends with Rocky Mountain. I owe these guys a ton for where I'm at with the recurve, but I also screw around with everything. So it's not like I have a dog in the fight. I mean, I'm shooting five different types of broadheads right now, screwing around with them. Um, and it's really for my own, because of the way I am trying to to learn, uh, you know, the pros and cons. And, and the big question I get, which is a very viable question, is a broadhead, is it worth spending 33 plus dollars per head on a broadhead um, is the technology or the precision that much better when comparing them to your head? Like, cause your head I've heard is, um, not as techie looking. It's, uh, hmm. it's, it's very, it's just a beefy head. It's like a tank. Yeah. I'm weird. I'm a function guy. I don't know that the elk is looking at the head before it goes through the lung scene thinking that's a damn fine broadhead, my man. <laughs> and so I'm looking for precision when I'm spinning it, you know, as far as that consistency, sharpness, durability, those are the big ones. And, your head's almost half the price with, in my opinion, every bit is the, the precision that the other heads have. Um, and you guys sharpen them. So they're, they're super freaking like mm-hmm. dangerously sharp. You can shave with them. In fact, my, my left leg, it, I don't wear shorts anyway, thank God, because my legs are too white, but it's <laughs> always bald from checking the sharpness of knives and broadheads. Now, I mean, what do you think? I mean, you guys sell 50 different types of broadheads or something over there. It's a pile. Do you think there's an, and in, do you think there is an increase or an inherent increase in um, any anything, durability or, or, or precision, sharpness, whatever, with these more expensive heads? Yeah, I you know, to be careful in how I answer that because I don't want to say anything bad about these other heads that are out there because they're phenomenal. Um, and like you said, there's pros and cons. There's gives and takes to everything. Um, but no, I, I don't think you're gaining enough uh, and that's honestly is why we started building these because there was another single bevel two blade out there, but it was more than twice the cost, you know? So that's kind of what we set out to do was to, to get something with all those, those same characteristics, you know, stuff that you can actually quantify, uh, durability, straightness, tolerances, and, and do it at a reasonable price. And what we found is that you could do it at that price. Um, so like I said, I'm not saying anything bad about those other heads, but, you know, I think that I think we've got something that's comparable in every measurable way at a lot less money. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I agree, um, you know, and, and, and this is a guy, you know, shooting all of them right now. I, I do like the um, the collar type system that, that Valkyrie has. Absolutely. Um, you know, just that thing's super handy. But when it comes to the, you know, to the heads being honest, of course, I always, I'm always pissing someone off. It is hard for me to recommend to a pipe fitter with three kids taking a week off whose wife's about to kill him anyway 
you need to buy these broadheads. They're through, they're a hundred bucks for three. Mm-hmm. When you know you do have a uh, uh, a viable equal alternative for about half of the price. Now, the only thing I don't like your heads for is turkeys, um, <laughs> just because I like yep. a big, wide cutting diameter. For, no, I agree. For that. Yep. Um, you know, but obviously, you guys designed them more for big game than any. Not to say there's a ton of turkeys that got killed by them, but I mean, yeah. Um, you know, and and I have heard people, you know, talk about the. Um, uh, ask me, you know, how did, how is the blood trail? Mm-hmm. Now the, the first animal I shot was that bear borderline guts lungs. I mean, right at the back and, uh, and on a bear bears generally soak up more blood in the fur and the fat. So you usually don't get as good of a blood trail. That thing bled like a stuck pig. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going off of my limited history, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm killed now. I don't know, whatever, 17, 18, 19, 20 animals. I don't, you know, I, I try to document each one and, the I haven't had any problem with blood trails with those. You know, I've had good blood with all of them. Now, I can definitely see if an animal, when it's moving one, like, leg forward or back, and then when it moves it back, the hide covers the hole. Yep. Because um, what are yours, an inch and an eighth? Yep. Yeah, okay. And, and to put that in context, I think, like, a um, iron will, we talked to him earlier, his is an inch and a sixteenth. So little bit wider than that. Um, but you will run into problems as you get a wider head um, and a longer head. Now, I'll give my two cents here in a minute. One, tuning. Um, you know, wider head you get, especially with a compound, is a problem. The longer head is durability. Now, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like I said, there's gives and takes to everything. Um, you know, I haven't seen any problems with blood trails uh, with a, with a two blade head. I think a big part of that is sharpness. Um, guys just aren't taking the time to get their heads sharp enough. I mean, a clean, a super sharp blade creates a clean cut and it bleeds a lot. I know my um, fingers do. Yeah. So, you know, I've had two bad, bad blood trails in my life. One was with a, a single bevel two blade. One was with a three blade. Uh, they were both white tailed deer. I watched both of those deer fall within a hundred yards of me. And I mean, I could literally retrace the exact footsteps those deer took and there was no blood on either of those i think some weird stuff happens that big bull my dad shot a few years ago shot that with a three blade vpa and that bull barely put any blood down at all in fact we had a tough time finding it and that was a heart shot so i think weird stuff does happen um and you you hunt long enough you're going to see some weird stuff uh so you know, but for the most part, you know, I don't think you're going to have a, a problem with the blood trail. But like I said, there's gives and takes. I mean, you can't deny that a big inch and a half, inch and three quarter, two inch wide head is going to put down a bigger blood trail than a inch and an eighth head. You're just creating a much bigger wound channel. But that's at the, at the bend, you know, the trade off to that is penetration. You're trying to punch a giant head through. So it's going to soak up a lot more momentum. So there's gives and takes to everything, you know, and that's where I'll never say that a cutthroat broadhead is the end all be all of all broadheads. It's not, you know, it's, it's a great head. It's a simple head. It's a design that's been around for a long time and is proven, but it's, it's definitely, you know, it has, it has its niche, has its place. No, for sure. I mean, one thing, now I did have a cutthroat in the quiver when I emptied it this year but i wasn't honestly that was my last broadhead i wanted to shoot because mm-hmm. i'd already killed a bear with a cutthroat and i you know i'm a guy that's constantly trying to learn or whatever when i'm shooting stuff and and i put a a big uh two inch wide head through that bear 
I think probably because people talking about hunting bears that haven't killed enough have a false, uh, I don't know, preconceived idea that bears are hard uh, like an elk. Um, bears are probably the softest animal. Yeah, they are the softest animal I've shot. Um, it does not take a lot to go through a bear. Um, you know, I put it through the scapula and uh, on both sides and it still kept going. But a bear is a piss poor example to choose anything about penetration just because they're soft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, elk, obviously moose, even mule deer, um, you know, are, are going to be a hell of a lot more harder to shoot through than a bear. With a bear, you know, you want you, you definitely you want a hole or two. And, and, you know, I like more blood. Now, I shot that first one because. You know, I just did what you guys told me. I didn't know any better. I mean, I mean, I knew better as far as on a compound, but I didn't really like have this, um, like, like this idea in my head of, oh, is this thing wide enough? So when I, when I, well, I missed it the first time, of course, <laughs> um, the second shot, I, when I zipped right through it, you know, I had trouble, you know, the, the, the arrow was quite a bit, uh, past it. Um, mm-hmm. and it broke one rib. And I could still shave with that one, too. In fact, I remember the mosquito-infested forest we were in, shaving and watching mosquitoes eat me, and kind of like chalking up in my, you know, in my brain of this is a bear, this is an animal that uh, commonly doesn't bleed as well because of the fur and the fat, and there was blood. I don't know if you remember the blood trail. There was blood everywhere. Yeah, I remember seeing pictures or videos, yeah. Yeah, so I was, and after that, I'm like, yeah, I think it barely matters, actually. I had to put a hole in it, it's going to die. Yeah. Now, I will say... And I brought this up on Dudley's podcast. I shot a mechanical, which are inherently dull for the, not all of them, but a lot of them come mm-hmm. a cow uh, with a cow tag in Montana. And that thing ran for like four or 500 yards. It was just short of 500, double lung. And it was another one of those things, like you say, things happen. Mm-hmm. It was the last cow. It was 500 and... 80 pounds, I think, is what they weighed it at. We were shooting game farm elk. It was like, you know, we had to drive the truck up and throw in the back. Actually, it was a trailer. Um, but that elk ran forever. Now, would it have run less or more, bled less or more with something like a cutthroat? In my opinion, cutthroat or not, a sharper broadhead was the problem. I put a big mechanical through it. it with Its blades were probably pretty dull that I should have paid more attention and anytime you cut yourself with something jagged, it may look uglier, but it bleeds less. When you cut something with, when you cut yourself with something sharp, it is hard to get that thing to stop bleeding. Um, and so, yeah, surgery, I mean, super sharp is definitely absolutely important. Now, sharpening your heads, not just to make this a total cutthroat sales pitch, because we're going to talk about other stuff here in a minute. That is a question I get all the time, sharpening single bevel heads. What do you suggest for guys that get them to, to sharpen them other than sending them back um, and having you guys sharpen yeah, them? Yeah, we, we sharpen them for guys all the time, but uh, it's really not that difficult to sharpen them. I think guys just kind of are afraid of it because it's different. It's not like a knife with two bevels. It's not what they're used to. And honestly, sharpening is kind of becoming a lost art. Um just not a lot of people are doing it. It's just kind of today's society, just disposable stuff. They just want to buy it sharp, ready to roll and go. But uh, for somebody that's not super good at sharpening, I always recommend a fixture sharpener, something like a KME. That's going to hold that broadhead in a fixture. It's got an angle set on it. So every stroke that you're making on that blade is just going to be perfect. Um, and, and with a KME broadhead or a knife sharpener, you can get these things just scary sharp super easy um we use a a cloth wheel at the shop 
So we grind all the heads to the burr. That's how they're sold. Um, just a light burr on there. Basically, all you've got to do is polish that burr off and you're left with a, a sharp edge. So we use a cloth wheel at the shop. Um, we'll do about four or five passes on the beveled side, just matching the angle of that bevel. Flip the head over, do one more really steep pass on the back side. We're just basically trying to roll that burr back over to the beveled side again. Just repeat that process until that burr falls off. Once it falls off, I mean, you're left with just a shaving edge. I've gotten, I got that work sharp sharpener, which isn't probably maybe the best for a single bevel, but I've gotten to where I can sharpen them now and I don't have to pester you guys, which is, which is good. Um, and, and I, that work sharp's a belt, it's, it's a belt, so it's not as consistent as that, that KME or whatever I've seen you guys do it. But if you, if you get the hang of it, um, you know, I took a dull one and just screwed around with it till I got it figured out on the easiest way to do it. But, um, you know, getting off the subject of, of the broadheads and, and more into tuning and heavy front of center and things like that, um, coming both, what are your views on that, both on the, the trad and the compound side? And when is maybe, when is too much maybe in your opinion? And what are the pros and cons, all that kind of stuff? And obviously the nightmares, I've seen you trying to, well, you're stuck with helping me tune my bow quite <laughs> frequently, but uh, with some of the customers that come in, Maybe they have preconceived ideas of what they want or, or whatever. What's your suggestion and, and what do you think about that? You know, I, I guess I'm more like you. I've never gotten caught up in in numbers or like trying to hit a certain percent on the FOC. I do think weight in the front of your arrow is a benefit. Absolutely do think that is true. Um, to what extent? I don't know. I haven't played with it on the extreme ends of that. But I do like to get uh, weight in the front of the arrow. I do like a heavier arrow. Uh, more mass weight for momentum for penetration. I think that's nothing but good. Um, there is a, a tolerance with uh, total arrow weight that everybody's going to have a different tolerance for that um, because the trade-off is trajectory. You know, you, get, you start getting really heavy, especially out of a traditional bow. Uh, that trajectory starts getting getting tough, and it's harder to be a good shot at varied distances, and it will if, it will eventually shorten your effective range uh, just because you're dealing with too much arc of the arrow. Um, you know, just, just like with anything, tuning is extremely important. The more weight you put in the front of your arrow, the stiffer the arrow you need to resist that bend. Um, you know, so it's just a balancing act of playing with that. Yeah, it, it's a pain in the ass is what it is for me trying to explain it to people because so Deadly and I talked about it for a while, but for me, I, I try to get a base platform for for the, the, the guy asking me the question, meaning like, it's pretty easy for me again. Like, I mean, literally I'm sure quite certain Danny's ready to kill me cause I'm always screwing around with something, but I want about a 40 yard point on, I want an arrow that's like 575, 580 up to 600. I really don't want an arrow heavier than that. Um, I'm shooting a 29 and a quarter half inch draw and I'm shooting 58 pounds off of that. You can get pretty close to, you know, what you know or I can now of what I'm going to need and and when I get past 250 to 300 up front depending um I start to get to where I'm more of a 35 point on um for example you know I I, I really am always stuck between two spines at my draw length and weight uh with a point weight I want up front so you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul so to speak like mm -hmm. if I want to shoot a stiffer arrow um uh, for example, I'm going to need more point weight, but that means a slower bow. If I want to shoot a um, lighter spine arrow, I'm going to have to shorten that up and drop the point weight to get it to fly right. 
and it, it becomes a problem. And for me, um, you know, I have that 38 to 40 point on. That's really important for me because I'm used to that. Um, what happens, I think, is when people don't have a base platform, don't really know exactly what they want. They hear someone talk about extreme FOC. They think it's a great idea. They get set up. And then their bows will shoot in a whopping 244 feet per second, and they were just shooting 304. More than most likely, there's going to be a phone call to the archery shop saying my, my shit's too slow. Um, maybe, maybe not. You know, so maybe some people don't care. And that's where you really need the people. You know, if you're coming in and wanting to get into more heavier FOC, you kind of want to have a... I think a borderline of speed to let the the pro shop know so they have an idea of really how high of FOC you can go before you start to see maybe not diminishing returns, but you start to go ass backwards and pretty soon you're shooting too slow. Um, yeah. And that goes to that tolerance that everybody has. And, and like, that's a, like we had conversations like what, and that's what, when somebody comes in to get an arrow set up, it's a conversation. I think we talked about that on that YouTube video we did. It's like, Hey, what are you looking for? you know, what's important to you. Like for you, it was that 40 point on, you kind of had an idea of ballpark, a speed you wanted to be at and a weight that would get you there, you know, and somebody that doesn't know those things or have those ideas in their head. Um, a lot of times we've got different arrows at the shop of, you know, arrow weights from 450 up over 600 grains and I'll just hand them some of those arrows, let them shoot them out of their bow. Here, shoot these, see what you think. You know, that slower arrow is going to make your bow quieter. It's going to have less vibrations. You know, a, a lot of guys are okay with a heavier arrow nowadays with uh, technology we've got with range finders, adjustable sights on their compounds. You're mostly going to be ranging any everything anyways. You know, you got some fixed pins there to get you out to 30, 40 yards, and you can adjust to anything in between there or beyond there. So, you know, slower arrows aren't such a big deal anymore with uh, the setups that we've got nowadays, but some guys are still just aren't comfortable with that. They don't want to deal with it. No, no, for for sure, and and Frank's a guy that is a good example because Frank is a, you know, a hell of a hunter, but he's he's really starting to dig in deep into the tech side of things. And one thing that I, I'm sure he gets tired of me preaching is don't worry about the speed. You're shooting, uh, you know, seventy plus pounds at a twenty nine inch draw. The speed will be there. You need to focus on accuracy and a quiet bow. Um, and I learned that the hard way. You know, it's not like I popped out the womb knowing that a quiet bow was important. I used to shoot a wrist slap and dry fire and bow, if, you know, 400 grain arrow doing three something at 80 pounds. Um, you know, minimum five grains per pound. And I pushed her right to five grains and uh, had a lot of limbs break and a lot of deer jump the string. Um, mm -hmm. Where now speed is really I mean like that's the last thing I worry about even on the I still check it on the stick bow but I've, I've kind of learned that as not you know if you're farting an arrow out faster and it'll shoot speed's <laughs> kind of a moot point that yeah. doesn't matter yeah. um you know but with with like Frank um he saw when he shot that bear he shot that thing with a mechanical in the chest at 30 came out the rear quarter mm-hmm well, I mean, that, you know, he's only shooting 262. When I say only, you know, it's still fairly fast, but slow in today's day and age and, and for some people. Uh, but he had a lot of momentum. He had good point weight. I think he had, a, um, oh, I think he was shooting a hex maybe or something, but he, I think he had a 50 grain brass insert and a 125 head. So decent front of center. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I mean, some people would say that's weight, not enough front of center. Well, I mean, I think Frank would argue from that specific experience because 
the broadhead was coming out the thick part of the butt cheek yeah. after going in its chest. And I don't know, did Danny tell you about that? Tommy. No. Danny, no, Jesus. I didn't. Sorry. I get him I get him confused. Um yeah, Tommy's the one with uh cauliflower. Um the you know, the entrance hole was, you know, a golf ball and the exit hole literally like you could feel it in the hide mm-hmm. and the broadhead had opened up coming out and it was a mechanical. Um and Frank was talking about that like because he's going back and forth between fixed blades and mechanicals is you know, what would have been the difference? I'm like, well, I can tell you the arrow would have went through. Yeah. That would have been the difference. Yep. Like there's so much momentum lost when that mechanical's open. And and I'm a, you know, I, I like mechanicals too, but yep. if you're someone that doesn't have the advantage of a longer draw or heavier poundage, momentum and a cut on contact head are key to victory. You're going to, you're not, it is not going to go well for you shooting a mechanical when you make a, well, you certainly want to want to take that shot. Um, you know, and, and those are things, too, like you really need to think about. And you guys set up women all the time. Well, your wife, I mean, she's yeah. a hell of a shot. What what she she shoots a recurve. What, what's her setup? She's She's got a pretty extreme front of center setup right now. Um, she shot a bull last year, a real nice six point, and just made an absolutely perfect shot on it. It's one of those weird things happened because she was shooting a pretty heavy arrow. It was like 570 grains. Um, I think she's pulling, you know, about 40 to 43 pounds at her draw but that arrow just did not penetrate it did i don't know what the deal was it just it hit and it kind of got cocked sideways as soon as it hit and we didn't find that bull so we ended up changing her setup um she's over gosh what's she at now she's over 300 grains in the front of her arrow went down to a, a gold tip pierce platinum a real skinny shaft um got her up over 600 grains uh, she shot a whitetail uh, buck last year, just zipped right through it at 25 yards. She made an absolutely perfect shot. You know, thing went 80 yards and died. So, um, you know, so there, you know, there's a a pretty high FOC setup there that worked really well for her. That's one thing I talked about um, before in the last few days of 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 the, when you start to hit all of those the negative sides when you're not very tall, you're not very strong or whatever. You're getting old and you can't pull the the bows of as much weight as you used to more weight up front that is when i think it is important um in in comparison to when you're shooting a compound at 280 feet per second a hundred grain points probably going to be fine you're you're already you know you're you're pumping out more momentum more ke now if you make a bad shot obviously yeah that might go down the yeah out the window a little bit but like, you know, like with my, my daughter right now, she's shooting a hundred grain points and, and aluminum inserts, but she's just shooting targets. When we go, if we go on a bear hunt, you know, I'm going to take it, may change her setup quite a bit. I'm going to drop her at least one spine. I'm going to bump her up probably to, a, you know, a 50 grain insert and a 125 or more up front. Um, she can pull back 50 pounds on a compound. So that, that certainly helps. But, uh, you know, those are all things that people need to you know, to think about on that. Now, as far as arrows go, what, um, what do you think, um, like, what do you guys suggest the most, you know, whether it be a compound or a traditional guy? And if they're different, I mean, what do you guys try to push people towards you've had great luck with? As far as specific brands or models or? A little bit of both, I would say, like, um, probably models as much as, um, and brands and models as much as anything, because, I don't know how many arrows you guys sell, but it's a shitload. And I get that question a lot of, 
you know, what arrow. And, and, and I went through, what, six different types? Yeah, we played with a bunch of stuff for you. Again, I think Danny's ready to kill me. And I ended up settling on the the Pierce and the Grizzly Sticks. And in my opinion, were those two were the best. I mean, out of everything, I'm glad I went through several. There was a lot of other great options, don't get me wrong. But for me, that Pierce has allowed me a little bit lighter weight system in the arrow, but a little bit heavier point weight up front. Um, you know, and then the Grizzly sticks a tapered shaft and I have a little bit heavier arrow compared to the Pierce. I've got 277. I got a 200 grain point and 70, whatever the hell that thing, that, that insert system, they have 70 some grains. Um, both great arrows, both great tolerances. I mean, they're, they're awesome. But what do you guys push people to frequently? So honestly, I don't, I, I'm the kind of person I don't like to push people one way or another. I kind of, when somebody comes in, like I said, it's conversation. Um, I, mean, I try to give them the pluses and minuses to everything and just let them make up their mind. I mean, we carry virtually every arrow, you know, Easton, Carbon Express, Black Eagle, Gold Tip, um, Victory. We carry them all. And so I'll kind of walk somebody through everything, pluses and minuses to all of them. Um, try to just kind of guide them to to make a decision for themselves and and then build a setup from there. Because I always tell them, like, we can make any of these arrows fly perfect out of your bow. That's not a problem. It's just finding the right combination of point weight, length, spine, everything for you and your setup. So, you know, we can make any of these work. It's just going to be what do you want out of this and what are you looking for? Now, what uh, what are you shooting out of your compound now, and what were you shooting out of your, I mean, on average, out of your stick bow? So, I was shooting a, a pretty heavy arrow out of my recurve. Uh, the last probably five years, I was shooting a, a 630-grain arrow. I think I had like 275 up front. I believe it was a 225 point with uh, 50 grains of brass in there. So, I was shooting a heavy arrow out of my recurve. I didn't want to necessarily be that heavy. Um but it's just where I landed right between spines with my bow and you know, the lighter spine the arrow had to be back onto the shelf to work heavier spine needed to be a little longer, but it worked. Um, arrow grains per inch, just a little higher. So that's just where I landed. It worked great. I was able to dial into that trajectory and uh, had no problems with it. Um, out of, out of the compound I've been shooting, Anywhere from 475 up to 550. Uh, you know, I've been playing around with some different stuff, um, different weights, and and uh, that's kind of the range that I've been in. But I think I like more that up towards that 550. Um, the, just the the animals I've shot, and it's just been devastating as far as penetration, busting bones, and and uh, no problems with it at all. Now you've um, just because you suck at bragging or talking about it, you've killed. Um well, I guess your biggest bull is, what, 360, 370 with a recurve? Yep. And then how many bulls have you killed, do you think, with the recurve and how many with the compound? Uh, I don't know. I, I could I could go back and add them up, but, uh, I, you know, I've shot compound, I think, six years now. So I've taken taken an elk every year with it. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I'd, I'd have to go back at them up. I'm not too worried about numbers. <laughs> Danny sucks at this, but my, my point is, is a lot of info you get from people um, has no um, validity because they haven't shot shit. So I want to make sure as you guys listen to Danny, he he has shot a lot, but he just, little peckerwood won't talk about it. But you've killed about a bull a year, maybe one or two years you haven't. Is that realistic? Yeah. 
Okay. Well, there you go, people. Danny's 34. And then you've killed some moose and a bunch of whitetails and mule deer as well, right? Yep. Now, when you're, when you're, you know, you're in my mentality is a little bit closer to the same. I know a lot of guys get pretty wrapped up around the really, like the minutia of the detail or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I'm constantly tinkering or whatever, but the last thing I'm worried about is a percent of front of center or is my arrow... 590 grains, um, you know, it, and my arrows only came in at 568. They need to be 600 because of what someone said on the internet. Mm -hmm. I don't ever really worry about that. In fact, you and I, um, no, you know, not, not, uh, we don't make fun of people, but you and I, you and I were talking, you know, recently about some posts that, um, uh, you know, guys were making and, and just speculating kind of on is, let's say 30 grains in arrow weight going to matter that much um if it mentally makes you feel warm and fuzzy by all means figure out how to get 30 more grains on your arrow but we um we always just kind of figured out an arrow that would weigh we were trying to stay between 550 and 600 mm -hmm. 57 something like that um and we were able to figure that out after that it was really tuning and if we started off with a 580 grain arrow but we had to hack a little bit off or whatever I was more worried about accuracy and that 40 yard point on. And, um, now with you, did you kind of have a, I know you talked about it a minute ago. Is there anything that you would, I guess, maybe tell people that they should worry about and other things that they really should not when it comes to, you know, heading into the field? Oh, that's a loaded question. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Boy, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to answer that one. <laughs> I mean, what's important, right? There's things that we've got in our control that we can take care of. Um, you know, one of those is making sure your bow is tuned perfectly with your arrows. I mean, that is an absolute must. I see it every day in our shop. Guys walk in with stuff that um, it, it's really bad. Like their setups are 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 way off. And I'm talking both out of compounds and recurves equally. So one thing that's in our control is making sure our arrows fly perfectly. Um, you know, the other thing that's in our control is making sure that our broadheads are razor sharp, you know, and that's, that's, those are two things that we can take care of. If you take care of those things, um, you, you've got an adequate setup and you're taking shots within your effective range. I think the majority of the time you're going to get the animals you're hunting. You know, if you, if you ignore those things, you, you know, you might have to suffer some consequences that you aren't happy with. I agree. And that's pretty much, I mean, pretty close to what I was going to, you know, follow up with was you can control your broadheads being sharp. Yeah. You can control spinning them like everyone should, including compound guys. Uh, before you go out in the field, making sure everything is, is good to go as far as that goes. You can control your arrow build. Mm -hmm meaning making sure they're squared off, um, you know, so on and so forth. Like you said, they're tuned, the arrow's tuned to the bow, flight's great, and you can control how much you practice. I think most of that other shit is just so people can argue online. Um, there's no, I don't think that the other, obviously, you need to have a good arrow weight. I mean, I'm not yeah, saying, yeah, but for sure, that's all important. I see a lot of guys get really um, wrapped up into certain things and then they don't practice. You know, I think practicing with proper form, um, you know, if you have a, I mean, look at it this way. If you have a choice to shoot a, a 614 grain arrow that you really got your heart set on 
or shooting a 570 grain arrow, I'd say shoot the 570 and go get some lessons because um, most guys can't shoot for shit anyway and you need to practice. Um, and, and I guess that's, I'm trying to follow on what Danny said, accuracy is king. And so is an extra 30 to 50 grains going to help you out compared to putting the arrow in the boiler room? If you don't, I mean, and things happen, but, you know, really focus on, in my opinion anyway, those things more than, than anything, and that'll really, you know, carry you through. Um, yep. And we live, I mean, it's a cool time we live in. There's a lot of great information out there, but that can be good and bad. You know, guys can get a little caught up in it and, and uh, spin their wheels, and they more so need to, yeah, like you said, shoot shoot your bow, get out there, go hunting, um, you know lean on guys that have done it that, that's a big one you know if you don't know how to set your bow up take it to take it to your local pro shop man have them help you out with it um you know there's there's a lot of great information out there now oh yeah for for sure and i mean and i get that a lot a lot of guys hey i'm just getting into it and i don't want to spend an arm and a leg and of course i pawn them off on you because I, I don't have time to answer the question and i don't know that many bow models um you know call like if you especially if you're looking to get into a you know, compound or traditional archery compounds a lot easier because there's compound shops everywhere. I mean, in, in Rocky Mountain has that as well. You know, really the, the traditional side of things, because there's just not that many proficient traditional archers that I would say have mastered or, or, or getting there of mastering the art where you guys are, are there and you can help out. Plus you have four or 500 bows on the wall at one time. So if you're looking at getting into a compound or traditional, obviously you can call Rocky Mountain, but traditional, I, I mean, there is not many places you can go and get those questions answered and get the, get the help. And, and obviously too, um, you know, when you talk about, about coaching, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, compound or traditional there too, um, Joel, uh, Turner and your dad, my little buddy, Joel and your dad offer a, uh, kind of a package clinic where Joel's kind of the brain doctor and your dad's kind of the form doctor. Um, I think it's important for people to realize that, um, that is going to really get you over the hump to happiness compared to worrying about how much freaking point will you have up on front of your bow. And I mean, your dad does nothing but coach now, basically. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's awesome. He's just super, super passionate about it. Teaching people good archery, good shooting and, and helping them out. So it's, it's pretty cool. He's getting to dedicate so much time to that now. Yeah. I was going to text him last night about his string breaking, but I didn't want to kick a man <laughs> when, his da- when he was down. He should have. He got close the other day, man. He, he had me for a while and then, uh, Thank God the last few targets were far away. <laughs> I yep. have problems with my close game, everyone. Um, but, yeah, and I, I think, too, like, you know, you look at with, with what, um, you know, is going on now, how many people are putting clickers on their bow, which you told me to do from the beginning, and I should have done in 16. Um, you know, things like like that, you know, getting a clicker on your bow, getting good coaching, um, you know, as far as learning the different aiming, if you're going to do instinctive, things like that, if you're going to do kind of what I do, which is a hybrid where I use point on and instinctive, um, you you have the resources there now. I mean, you have got people like Rocky Mountain. You have lots of, of course, you shouldn't listen to most of them, but a lot of YouTube channels that mm-hmm. people are, um, you know, pumping out info on that. Um, what do you think as far as like... Uh, what is the number one downfall of people walking into the range? I don't know, a downfall. What's the number one problem you would say with, on both sides, compound and traditional, that you're just like, wow, this is a constant problem? That, that's kind of a tough one, too. I think uh, 
If I was to guess initially, would you say a lot of people's draw lengths are wrong? Yeah. Yeah. On on the traditional side, they're usually too short, and you see a lot on the compound side that are too long. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know you guys do a lot to get them correct. I think yeah. – um, I, we'll always try to offer advice or help to somebody. Um, but, man, I'll tell you what, some of the best hunters I know with uh, recurves shot with pretty crummy form. And, man, those guys got it done. And it was because they were good hunters, they could get close enough to take those animals with their crummy form. So, you know, yeah, it, you know, is it going to make them a better shot shooting with proper form? absolutely undeniably but does that mean you have to to get it done no so let's just say we always try to offer that help to somebody some guys are a little resistant to it like you know i've, I've done pretty good and you're like you know what you're right you have yeah. <laughs> harold is <laughs> a horrible shot <laughs> yeah you know and he he uh he's kind of re relearned his form from some injuries and stuff himself but you know he'll say that he'll he'll flat out tell you i'm not a good shot I just I've I learned had to learn to be sneakier to get close because I'd miss him if I wasn't really close. Well, he told me, and I don't mind mentioning his name because he doesn't seem to care. Um, he uh, he his, uh, did he shoot league last night? No, he didn't make okay, it. His dog say, had some health issues. So. He was going to come down and shoot, and and uh, he's like, I don't want to shoot with you if you're going to make fun of me because I can't <laughs> hit shit. But yeah. you know, you think about if you're going to go out a competition competition to dropping animals, he's a guy you want with you. I'll tell you what, that's for sure. Uh, but you don't want him to enter a 3D competition with you. And we talked about that with South. Now I will say South shot pretty freaking good last night. I mean he. He obviously has he been talking to your dad or something? I don't know. He he had a clicker on and man, he he shot well. But you take a guy like South who admittedly is not the greatest shot in the world, so he sneaks into eight, nine feet. I mean, you do what you've got to do. And yeah, we talk about this all the time. This is way off the epic, but learning animal behavior is quite a bit more important probably than running up a mountain with 50 pounds on your pack, not taking away any of the fitness things or whatever because you know we support those as well but it is important for people to remember you need to know what you do what you're doing when you get to the top of the fucking mountain like you can get there as fast as you want but it's not a race so when you get up there you got to have a pretty idea of what to do once you've got to your destination and you take a guy like harold i mean he just flat out told me he's like yeah 20 yards pretty far shot for me you know he's like he's like (laughs) and, and i'm thinking man i i I kind of suck around 15 yards. I got to stretch her out a bit. Like, yeah. you know, and, but obviously I'm focusing, you know, focused on shooting, but really like that, that animal behavior, um, you know, fitness is important. You having good gear, at least knowing about your gear to be able to stay back there. If you're backpack hunting, all of those things come into play. And, and if you don't focus a little bit on all of them, you're going to be lacking, you know, you know, somewhere, I guess mm-hmm. you I mean, you're going to have a hole in your, your arsenal, I guess. Um, you know, talking about Harold, I mean, it's a number that probably can't be figured out because he shot too much stuff. But, you know, Harold shot several animals, you know, in that 10, 12-yard range. And if you would have told me that three years ago, you know, coming from a guy dropping bombs at distances I can't even talk about to where now the whole it's – I mean, we talk about full circle, right? Like, you know, I mean, and even, you know, Frank's coming around – it's not impossible to get feet from an animal. It's not, or yards. 
But if your dumbass is like me and you never got within 50 because you just killed them, you set up for that. You set up for the farther shots. You set up your, your whole game revolves around technology and shooting ability rather than stalking ability and animal behavior. Um, now, I know like with you, you don't shoot very far. Well, you hate the compound. Drives you crazy, doesn't it, looking through the sights? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. Um <laughs> No, I I, I, am a, I shouldn't say that, right? I am a fan. It's gotten me out there. I'm bow hunting, and and ultimately that's all I care about. So I have nothing against the compound. Now, is it my preferred weapon of choice? Not necessarily. I can't shoot my bow enough uh, with my shoulders to really practice a bunch at distance. And I'm not, uh, you know, I'll never say I'm a great shot because I just can't shoot that much. But to me, I don't know, bow hunting is all about getting close. That's what's fun about bow hunting to me. That's what I love about it. I was a horrible shot as a kid growing up with a recurve. You know, my dad just handed me a bow, said, pull it back to your cheek and have fun. And that was literally it. And so I didn't know how to shoot. And yeah, Boy, I missed times have changed. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I missed a ton of animals as a kid growing up. And that, that was kind of motivation to one become a better shot and was out in the backyard shooting 100 zeros a day but two it was learning how to stalk and get close to animals and i mean i remember the first time my dad told me about something he, he calls it imperceptible movement you know it's so when you're stalking an animal you're moving so slow your movement's not even imperceptible you know if somebody was watching you they'd look at you think you're not moving and then they'd look back two minutes later you're a couple yards closer you know and it was just kind of grasping some concepts like that and learning to sneak in on animals and I don't know, man. I just think there's nothing better than getting inside 15 yards where you can see them blinking, you can see them breathing, the sun glistening off their nose. That is just awesome to me. And when I hear guys in the story, in the store telling stories about, you know, this awesome stock they put on, it took hours and they got right in on this animal or some really cool strategy they, they played out to take something based on the scouting and the patterning they'd done, like, right on you know that's good hunting that is awesome right there you know that's that's what yeah that's the stuff i really respect and that's the stuff i think is super cool yeah yeah and i mean i believe me i you know i was on the other end of the spectrum yeah and that. i'm not I mean, humming on shooting far or anything like that that's cool i mean I, what if whatever you want to do you're out there bow hunting that's that's the important thing well yeah i am um you know and i can because i've done it so yeah. you can't give me any shit because not I, at all yeah i i just i and i'm not I can't say I'm I'm not down talking it. I'm just saying I think you would be surprised how much more exhilarating it is to get closer. And I mean, and keep this coming from an a hole that shot several animals over 100 yards away. And uh, you know, now like we're looking, I'm talking about the mule deer area. I'm telling you, like it's terrace, dude. I think I can get mm -hmm. 10, 15 feet above them, yeah. which may be bad because my short game sucks. But <laughs> I mean. The amount of animal behavior you see in comparison, especially when you're just limited because of your your weapon, right? There's, I just can't shoot things that I used to be able to shoot in the time period. So, what might have taken me three minutes before could be three and a half, four hours. And I truly think it's probably making me made me a better trophy hunter because I have to wait. And in the time I would have shot, whatever. There's probably something bigger came in in between the time of me trying to get closer to it. Like, I never took my boots off before. You don't need to at 80 yards. They don't, can't even hear shit at that distance. I mean, they just can't where, you know, now I get into, you know, 80, I'm creeping, 50 to 40, I'm, I'm taking my boots off or even before then, you know, and at that point, now I've got my socks off. I'm really paying attention, like you said, imperceptible movements. 
you know, it may take me 45 minutes to go 10 yards or even more. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't suffer from that problem before. I, it was already dead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I already shot it. And, and it was cool at the time, but I think for me, that exhilaration and excitement, you know, now is, is getting closer. Um, you know, I different for everybody. Everybody hunts for different reasons. Absolutely. Yep. Um, you know, but I mean, as far as like, obviously what we started this with is, is, um, you know, kind of learning about the different broadheads, FOC, tuning, things like that. And I mean, you guys are pumping through people. I mean, you guys get a lot of customers and, um, I think, well, you said it about sharpening. It's a lost art. Mm -hmm. I mean, believe me, I'm one of them. I had to get a work sharp sharpener to sharpen shit, but Learning the art of the sport, I think, is another thing that's kind of lost. And not everybody has time or the equipment to learn, but there's a lot of things I think people should and could learn. Um, you're always going to need a pro shop. There's no way around it. But like tuning, you can't always depend on the pro shop. I think it's important for that initial tune because the press is there and everything. But a lot of people lost that. And how quick did you pick that up? I mean, was that something your dad taught you pretty early or did you pick it up later? Uh, you know, tuning bows and arrows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty early, you know, with the, the, the history of the shop. I and mean, you just kind of had to. Like, you can't sell a guy some arrows that are flying like crap out of their bow. You know, you got to set these people up right. And so, you know, I was, that was stuff when I was in junior high. I was tagging along in his hip pocket there at the shop watching everything he did and learning how to do all that stuff so how has your dad changed i've never asked you that has he changed much in the last 20 years as far as uh you know his his, his uh whatever like not just hunting style but has he kind of um you know gotten to a point where now he's much happier uh coaching than anything or is he i mean what what just cause a lot of people ask me about him and i'm like well i mean I've known him for a while, but I've really only known him for like three years where, you know, he's, he's there all the time. And he's to me, just this super cool dude. That's always mellow and helps me hit shit, you know, but, um, have you seen him kind of evolve over the last 20 years? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He was the biggest snap shooter you've ever seen <laughs> back in the day. Like we all were right. And that's just what we learned. And, and, uh, you know, and I think it was the frustrations of that, that kind of, that really motivated him to, to go seek out that knowledge on how to shoot better. And also just passion for helping people too, because he's just so passionate about that. And so that, you know, those are the reasons why he started searching out what is better shooting form. Um, how, how can I get better with this thing? How can I teach people to shoot these things better to help set people up for success with these and not frustration? And so that's why he went through all the instructor training all the way up to going to the Olympic Training Center and getting that level four certification was just to try to bring that good shooting form to people. And so, so yeah, I've obviously seen those changes with him, I've seen him miss a lot less animals because um, he's a better shot now, um, you know, and so, and now he's stepping back away from the store a little bit, handing the reins off to Tommy and I. To, to handle that stuff. He's goofing off more and coaching more and that's awesome. I mean, that's how it should be. So. Yeah, no, no, it's good. He, uh, he makes me, he definitely makes me laugh. He, uh, I've, I've called you guys before the traditional river runs through it. Uh, cause of the two brothers <laughs> yeah. and people are like, what? And I'm like, well, it's too, I don't know if people always understand the, the dynamic, right? Tom, Tom seniors, the dad, Tommy and Danny, uh, are the sons. 
and you guys both wrestled, both have hunted forever. And, uh, you know, your dad, how, what is he now? 60 something? Yeah. 62, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, he's talked about, you know, starting to chill out. He's been fishing a ton and hasn't he? Yeah. And, he was and, up in Canada for over a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's cool. And I've always pestered him to come shoot generally about half the time he can and half the time he said his mom or your, your mom won't let him. I don't know if that's an excuse or not, but <laughs> probably, yeah. It, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, and, uh, you guys, um, you know, just as we're kind of hitting close to an hour here, what all do you guys offer over there at, uh, at Rocky mountain? Um, you know, obviously other than, you know, compound and traditional bows, but you guys have boots and Sitka gear, bench made knives. And what, uh, what else do you guys have? That's kind of a highlight, man, kind of, kind of everything. We just try to offer, you know, all the services, bow tuning, coaching, um, all the gear you would need, everything. And we got tents and backpacks and knives and boots. And I mean, just kind of everything you would need to, to go out and do the stuff that we do to hunt in the back country, to, to shoot bows, everything. Yeah. You guys are a, I mean, you have Kafaru, you have mystery ranch, uh, mm-hmm. horn hunter, yep. Everly stock, uh, you have Scarpa boots, big Agnes. Uh, I don't know how many knives, every knife known to man, four or five hundred bows, uh, traditional bows. And then you guys offer what prime PSE bow tech. Yep. Um, and then pretty much every arrow manufacturer for the most part. Yeah. Right? Pretty much all the arrows. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, quite, quite a bit. And then, yeah, you guys just picked up Sitka gear recently Yep. as well, which is cool. So yeah, it's been going great so far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, man, is there anything else you want to hit on at all, uh, before we hop off here? No, I think that's good. Cool, cool. You hate being on this, don't you? <laughs> don't hate it. It's, just, <laughs> Alex, it's not really my personality. Yeah, no. Alex has texted me a couple times. Um, you know what, Alex? If you're listening, uh, you got man boobs, buddy. You need to you need to work on that. Um, I was going to tell you the other day when you're giving me shit about something else, but you got moobs, man. Uh, on that note, we're going to hop off. Uh, I appreciate you coming over here, guys. Definitely check out Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. Uh, see what they have to offer, and, and they're a wealth of knowledge. So, yeah, thanks again, man, for yep. coming on. Thanks, Aaron. Yep.